Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic themes. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome everyone. And we're going to, I don't, we're going to tackle a subject today that, I, I mean, on the one hand, I feel a little bit guilty. It's like we should have researched this a little bit more. On the <laughs> other hand, this is not meant to be a science talk. So, true. I mean, how much, how much do you really have to know about this to form an opinion? I think most people think you got to know a whole, whole lot. And I really think, I think the, the, the science industry has worked and worked to overcomplicate this to try to make it sound scary to people. And, I don't think it's really all that complicated. It's I think it's a lot simpler than most people believe, put it that way. And yeah. that is the theory of evolution and how it kind of breaks down into two theories. Well, it breaks down into a lot more than that, but there are two classes of it, so to speak. Uh one is microevolution, one is macroevolution. And um, my contention is that either one of them could be acceptable um, in Catholic theology, but I just think one of them's a lot less likely. It's <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, we'll we'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of interesting because um, I've I've actually been thinking about that myself recently. Um, at, you know how you just kind of sometimes uh ponder things yeah and like i said we'll get to it uh but but i've actually uh sort of i'm i'm in the process let's say of changing my mind about it yeah but it'll be interesting when we get to it you'll be okay surprised or at least i think our listeners will be surprised why and how okay um so i guess so, do we need to go through the primer? Yeah, like, I think you so. Know, um, I mean, you know, like like people used to, you know, they would just say evolution or creationist, you know, and right? Is like well, that's- or or even like you know, it, it was even uh, what um, two hundred years ago, right? Just kind of accepted that um, the things that are on the earth were the things that always were. And this is just how it was has always been. Yeah. Um, Aristotle, whom Thomas Aquinas uh, referred to for for a lot of his his metaphysical developments and writings. Yeah. Came from a place and a time where people generally believed that the world was as it always has been. In other words, that the world was basically infinitely old. And it's just been going along infinitely, and things have always been the way they are. So they're... Thomas Aquinas... Okay. Go ahead. So they're... In in their way of thinking about it, there was not a time when dinosaurs existed, but man did not exist. Right. Okay. They didn't know about dinosaurs back then. Right. Uh, They hadn't found bones and stuff. And there are records... There are ancient civilizations that have found dinosaur bones and wandered about them or constructed animals out. I remember reading about that, that 
and I mean, it's possible this is where people thought dinosaur, uh, dragons came from and things mm, like right. that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I heard about a Roman emperor who had uncovered a large dinosaur bone. I can't remember who it was, but it, it, it wasn't common, but it was there. And I don't know okay. how much it might have affected like philosophers who, who thought, well, maybe this was an animal that used to exist and doesn't anymore, but, um. I, yeah, I don't know if extinction was part of the worldview of Aristotle or not. It's not but they did, talked about. He, he, right. But he did believe that the world was infinitely old and that man was pretty much as he always has been mm-hmm. and the world was just the way it is. And Thomas Aquinas believed that there's no reason philosophically or scientifically to reject that view. In fact, Thomas Aquinas believed the only reason to to believe that the world is not infinitely old and has not always been going on as it has as it appears to go on is the specifically um Christian and Jewish revelation by God about the beginning of the world as recorded in the Bible. Okay. And which is mm-hmm. I mean Aquinas' big thing is that, hey, we can find out more about God by studying this created world we live in. And um, from this, you're saying that he's kind of flipping that and saying we can find out more about this created God by looking at or by we can find out more about this created world by looking at what God has told us, say, in the Bible and in tradition in this particular instance uh-huh. it, it's it's just that he doesn't see any reason within observation of the created world to believe that it hasn't existed forever okay and so he thinks the only way re- the only reason we know that it had a beginning is because god told us so okay uh so we, we weren't there there are no, in his mind, physical records of the beginning. Of course, later developments, um, you know, modern, what we would consider contemporary by comparison, uh, developments in cosmology and, and so forth, point to good scientific reasons to believe that the world had a beginning. Mm-hmm. But that knowledge, that information didn't exist. And so the idea of, uh, things evolving into the current state um, was... It wasn't really present in anybody's mind. Yeah. And, you know, I, I everybody knows the big, you know, breakthrough, of course, came with Charles Darwin, who observed microevolution and extrapolated that mentally and said, well, wait a minute. If things can evolve, if types of animals can evolve in a certain direction to develop exaggerated characteristics of this type or that type. Why not through a gradual and prolonged such process evolve all the types of animals? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't a kind of animal evolve into a different kind of animal altogether? Um, So, you know, if if you just mm -hmm. take that, just that line of thinking by itself, um... It's kind of silly. I mean, we can see obviously how animals change over time and maybe become bigger or 
as you said, all these characteristics become more distinct. Um, but all of those animals can always mate with the other, because because two animals will develop separately in separate areas. Now in the wild they won't mate together, but we do this with dogs all the time, and a Chihuahua can still have puppies with a Great Dane. Where does that jump come from? Where it's like, oh, but I could get a cat out of this, not just a cat, <laughs> but um, I'll have a dog and then suddenly a cat. And I can erase all the objections to this by just saying, well, it took millions of years. And if anyone says, well, okay, what about the cross between the dog and the cat? Where are those fossils? You know, mm-hmm. this has always been the way I thought about the whole idea, how it sprang up. And it's like, well, why do you automatically make that assumption? Where does this come from? Well, here's here's a... Um and and now you're talking about macroevolution, which is this idea that all the species of animals came from you know through this evolved process. Yeah, I guess I jumped um, there a little bit because uh, we were going to explain <laughs> the difference fine. between macro and microevolution. Because microevolution is is pretty much a fact. We see that. It, I mean, we use microevolution in order to create dog breeds, right? Yeah. You know, dog breeds. Everybody should know this. Dog breeds are a human invention. They're not a natural thing. We we breed dogs for certain characteristics and then take and rebreed and rebreed and rebreed in order to acquire desired characteristics in different kinds of dogs, whether it's a worker dog or a watchdog or what have you. Um, right. And so we are putting microevolution to work. Um, but like you said, we still don't come up with anything other than a dog. Yeah. No matter how much we do that. Now, we haven't been doing it for millions of years, but it, it's really difficult to envision a process by which that eventually is going to lead to something other than a dog. Right. So, and and here's the thing that, you know, that I am a scientific skeptic of macroevolution. Um. To me, my you know my observation, my understanding, my um, you know seeing what we do in laboratories and and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, just say bacteria. Okay, uh-huh. you could breed bacteria, and and they form more bacteria and more bacteria and more bacteria and more bacteria. Um, how many generations does it take in a lab of of big baths of bacteria? To come up with something that's not a bacterium and that is reproducible. We're not even talking about sexual where you, you've got to have two that can mate or anything like that. We're just talking about a thing yeah. that can reproduce itself, came from bacteria, and is no longer a bacterium. It has evolved. It has moved on. So, you know, when, and I don't think it's been reproduced ever for such a thing to have happened yeah um sexually speaking i think they've been trying to get it to happen with fruit flies forever and ever because they have a fairly short lifespan and so they can get generations quickly yeah and if just just thinking about that by itself human beings uh might produce uh however many times but each generation is what 25 30 years 
And so yeah. they say after an X number of um, generations, suddenly there's this new species. Um, okay, we can we can make that happen a whole lot faster in a lab with fruit flies because each generation is several days. And we keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and we have yet to get to anything but a fruit fly. Yeah. And the thing is, even if you could get to a new species, um, fertile stock, not fertile with, with some ancestral parent stock. Yeah. It's still the same kind of thing. So, like, I could envision that you might be able to get, you know, you might start with some frogs and frogs may have evolved in some part of the world to the point where you now have frogs that can't mate with frogs of another evolutionary line, but they're still frogs. The frogs didn't change into lizards or snakes or something like that. Yeah. So the thing that, that keeps sticking my in my mind is that when you think about the, the spread of generations that can occur, you take you know a little Petri dish of bacteria... And then you can grow those and grow those. And, and each generation is, you know, 80% more bacteria than the last. So you can start with 100 bacteria and very quickly, if you're nurturing them, end up with, with billions and billions of bacteria. And yet you still don't get anything that's not a bacterium out of this. Um, and this is like a, this is just single cell non-sexual reproduction. Yeah, which is... so. If it was going to evolve, you would think that would be the quickest to evolve. We would find it. Yeah. yeah. So when you think about about the the paucity of observed macroevolution, even keeping within the same kind, just different species, the fact that you ha- hardly have any of that observed um, directly, and then you say, okay, let's assume it still happens, but, you know... It, it just takes a really long time. Well, it seems to me that 4 billion years, which is about what they think is the age of life on Earth from its earliest times, that's just way too fast, scientifically speaking, given the evidence that we have within laboratories and observation. Yeah. It seems to me that if you're talking from, you know, something that's barely recognized as life to the point where you have uh, human beings, um, that seems to me more like a 400 billion year process, not a 4 billion year process, or maybe a, you know, 4 trillion trillion year process, not a 4 billion year process. It kind of reminds me a little bit of all the claims like back in the 70s that, hey, we're about to hit another ice age and probably in the next 20 years, it's going to get really cold. And in 20, you know, 10 years, it was obvious this was not happening. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. It's the other way around. Yeah, it's going to get really hot. Really hot. <laughs> and then it's like, we're not going to get hot or cold. We're just going to have a changing climate. And yeah, now it's uh, ch- climate change. It's okay, going to well. kill us all in 12 <laughs> <You> years. <laughs> and they keep extending that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What, what's your evidence that this is happening at all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Surely if we're um, going to teach this in every dang science class in America, there ought to be some kind of demonstration. 
some kind of evidence that it really does exist. Mm-hmm. And but I've not seen. You know, it, it's not there. Yeah, I know. And if um, you search for it, you will find a couple. You'll find like a, there's a document that says like 29 evidences for macro evolution. Um, it's don't waste your time. It's a guy trying to overcomplicate things, but it's really not that complicated. The evidence he gives are not complicated at all. He just tries to make them complicated so that it's hard for people to read. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not. There is no evidence that he cites other than that, you know, there are similarities between all the species, yeah. which isn't yeah. evidence at all. Now, it's, it's interesting. So, so one of the things that people, um, cite for evolution are things like, um, I, I'm going to pull numbers out of the air here, um, because I don't know the actual numbers, but, but you, 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 yeah. you'll get what I'm talking about. They'll say things like, well, you know, human beings or maybe some other animal, you know, higher animal, a primate, mm-hmm. like a gorilla, share, you know, 99% of DNA with a banana or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Well, here's the thing that, that people kind of don't realize when they hear things like that. Or maybe it's kind of funny. The people who say things like that should realize it, or at least the scientists who are saying it. But we, the thing about DNA is that inside of living cells almost everything that goes on goes on because of proteins proteins are like nano machines that work inside of the body to do everything that happens mm-hmm. proteins are constructed and, and with all the the thousands of different kinds of proteins there are maybe millions i don't know Proteins themselves are all constructed out of a string of things called amino acids. And there's only, you know, a couple dozen amino acids, uh, roughly, Mm -hmm. that are used to make all these different kinds of proteins. Now, many of the proteins that exist within living cells are proteins that manipulate and energize and push forward the very processes that allow life to happen, including the duplication of those self-same proteins. So there are proteins that are responsible for making sure that, for example, the DNA strands don't get too tangled while they're going through it and doing what they do, which is to create more proteins. So the DNA itself contains encodings. Those encodings are sequences that map to sequences of amino acids, and those amino acids are then used to build proteins, some of which are the proteins that make this very process occur. In fact, a lot of which are the proteins that make this very process occur. So my point is that when you say, oh, the DNA is so similar between this you know, kind of animal and that kind of animal, yeah. or plant and animal, whatever... Yes, you would expect that to be true because so much of the DNA is dedicated merely to creating the very proteins that support the process of life, including the replication of the DNA and the generation of proteins from DNA. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of makes sense. Now, 
the part that the scientists have a reasonable um, case that it, it invites a little bit of thought that, okay, mm-hmm. hmm, this is something to look at and think about. Are the parts of the DNA that don't appear to do anything, there, there's there's large sections of DNA that they're called intrage, um, intragenic, so they're between the genes. The genes are the parts of the DNA that encode to produce proteins, and then there's sections of DNA between those genes. And what happens is, in the replication of the DNA, you know, usually everything goes smoothly, and it, you know it's a very good process. And then there are proteins whose job is actually to detect when something didn't go smoothly, like a, a DNA in getting copied, the wrong copy was made. Yeah. And so there's proteins whose job it is to detect that and fix it, and on and on. So so it's a fairly robust process, but nonetheless you do get mutations. So a piece of DNA gets changed from one type to another, uh, or something gets inserted in the chain, or something gets missed and removed from the chain. Okay. So these um, uh, small mutations, uh, often they're called uh, SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms. Um, Certain collections of these... Because they happen, and then because DNA replication is so reliable, it gets into a population, and then you can say, okay, wait a minute, this population branched off from this population at this point, or before or after this point, because we see certain, or a certain, um, SNP or collection of SNPs in this population, but not in that population of the same animal. So that's how they do it. Like, for example, if you send your DNA into um, uh, like Ancestry.com or, or Heritage or, you know, some of these other yeah. sites that do your DNA tracking. But by the way, everybody, I want to let you know, they do not map your whole DNA. It would be way too expensive and take way too long to do <laughs> to do that with modern <laughs> DNA technology. What they have are special... Um, special amplicons that that take and and seek out those single nucleotide polymorphisms or uh short mutations mostly in the intergenic regions that have been discovered to exist in certain populations and that can be used somewhat to map the migration of populations around the world mm-hmm. they find those and they Compare your DNA, those parts of your DNA against exemplars that they have from different parts of the world. And they say, oh, because you have so many matches of this, you must have a certain amount of your DNA from this part of the region of the world. That's how those work. They're not mapping out their DNA, your DNA. They will not be able to create a clone of you (laughs) or anything like that. So I just want to reassure people. But the thing is, it is interesting because these things do really and truly track populations of living things. Okay. Now, what's what can be interesting is when some of these mutations, some of which are intergenic, some of which are mutations of genes themselves that nonetheless allow the resulting proteins to function, that's where it gets interesting because then you have at least a legitimate case 
that, wait, evolution, some kind of evolutionary link exists here if you see these in, say, an earlier population of some kind of humanids and modern man. And then if you could link those into some earlier population of non-humanoid or pre-humanoid animals that you were to find, I, I don't know if you could extract enough DNA to do that in bones or something, Yeah. then you've got some kind of a case to be made. Now, I don't know how strong this case is in terms of establishing macroevolution, so actually mapping these kinds of things between say, gorillas and bananas or something like that. Um, But but that's where the interesting stuff is because that's where the head scratchers come in. If you're a skeptic of of evolution and yet honest and and seeking the truth. Okay, okay. Um, Don't know if you have any response to that, but but, I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Obviously, we've never really talked about this together before. So it's not like we hardly ever plan our podcasts. We just talk. (laughs) That's Um, true. (laughs) That's something I'd have to think about for a while. I would say that um, I'm having a tough time envisioning how um, we could how we could say at this point in time the gene or the 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 sequence existed. And then at this point in time, it did not exist because I don't know if I don't think we're real good at obtaining old DNA. Um, no, it's it's not obtaining old DNA as much as it's observing the uh, within human microevolution. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not yeah, sure how much of this has been related to macroevolution, but like within human microevolution. Um, we can observe within a population and say, okay, wait a minute, these changes or polymorphisms, which is the technical term for a mutation, mm-hmm. exist in certain groups of, of these populations and they show some common ancestry even though they may be in different locations of the world. Okay. And then we can show that, okay, based on something... Uh, these other people are also in the same place as these people, but they don't share that. So they must have been in this part of the world before these other people came here. So the the other population must be the older population containing this or having this polymorphism or something like that. Okay. Um, another thing that they can that they do with these, uh, and this is something that that was was brought up um, by. Um, uh, Jimmy Aiken on, on one of his podcasts, they can use these to identify times when there may have been a large, uh, like, like a huge, like, um, uh, like, like some kind of catastrophe that, okay. that wiped out a lot of the human race or something like that. And you go, okay. Wait a minute. We, we have certain, you know, this population has a certain, um, or this part of the world has maybe a certain diversity of these polymorphisms that is a lot more constrained. There's a lot less diversity in this part of the world than in that part of the world. This part of the world in the last X number of generations, you know, you know, last 3000 generations Mm -hmm. must have undergone some kind of catastrophe that caused a 
genetic bottleneck. There were a lot fewer people suddenly, and now the whole population is from that fewer people. Okay, Whereas in I this see. other part of the world, the diversity shows that that they, as a population, you know, continued to be healthy and have a lot of people a lot longer back than that. That kind of thing they can all... Now, I don't know how accurate that science is. I don't know to what degree that is science versus guesswork. I think there's still a lot of guesswork when it yeah, comes I to genetics. Yeah, I think there is. Um, um, and, and I think scientists would do well to be honest about that. Uh, but that's another kind of... They, they see differences so that at least they can see, okay, well, something happened here that didn't happen there. Okay. But see, that's kind of... Uh, the same is micro. admitting that microevolution <laughs> happens, and no one ever denies that. That's still that. micro, exactly. That's, that's, that's why we point. have it's like black people and I'm, white I'm, people, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. But we're still people the same way dogs are still dogs, and, and mm-hmm. uh, a weenie dog and a, and a St. Bernard get along just fine. <laughs> you know, you get them together and they like each other. And yeah. There's no reason to think that black people are a different species than white people. But as of, here's the thing. This is what gets pointed out over and over again early on in the, the evolution fight. And it's, it's been kind of the strategy, it seems, of popular science to start classifying uh, things of the same species as different species and redefining what exactly a species is. Oh, right, right, right. Cause, because cause we've had a, a, a notion of that for a long t- uh, right. time that was good, consistent, and worked. If species, as, as, as we kind of went through in the beginning here, uh, most people think of a species as... Um, a a population that can that can produce, uh, fertile, produce offspring. fertile offspring and yeah. those offspring being fertile with the parents and right. that's not how most people the think parent of it. stock <laughs> right the parent stock um and that's weird when you talk about yeah parents. i know but i mean <laughs> they do it with uh fruit flies all the time so mm-hmm. um the thing is when when we start saying well okay we got two different giraffes here, and they look different. They still look like giraffes, but they look different, mm-hmm. and they're in different parts of the world, and we noticed a few genetic differences. We're going to call them two species. And it's like, did well, wait a minute. whether they can breed? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get an egg from one and see if it can be fertilized? Then why would you call it a different species? Without it's all, checking that out. Exactly. Yeah. But- the proof of macro evolution comes along with redefining what you say a species is. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. And anyone who says, oh, we do have evidence and we do have documents of a species changing into another species, but it's always that. It's never really mm-hmm. another species. It's just yeah. a change within the now, species. I heard tell... And, and, and I, when I was talking about this, I, I specifically used the example of frogs before because I, I haven't bothered to check it out because like I said, even if you did get species, interspecies evolution, uh-huh. if it's the same kind of animal, it's still microevolution as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because to me, macroevolution is changing from one kind of animal to another. 
But I heard tell by someone who was talking about this that there was a once upon you know some that there is some specific isolated area where frogs were some kind of frog was introduced and at some later time uh people went back to it and discovered that there were now two different populations of frogs and it's absolutely known that there were no frogs here before or something like that okay. that it and, and they don't interbreed or some you know that they can't interbreed that that it really was an example of evolution from one species to another yeah. the way you're describing now the thing is it it's noteworthy because it is so rare and like i said they're all still frogs. Yeah. It wasn't an evolution from one kind to another, even if it was an evolution of one species from another. And if it happened that quickly, then why doesn't it happen a lot more often? Well, that's what I, I, I don't, I don't remember whether it was one of those things where the frogs were known to be introduced, uh, you know, back yeah. in some travels of the Vikings and, you know, 1400s. Oh, okay. yeah. And then it was discovered, you know, 400 years, Well, still, years even then, you've it got... might something like that. You've got one generation per year, generally, yeah, I don't know how, with frogs. How, how fast do frogs... I don't even know how fast frogs... I, I think it's every, every spring, no you know? Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I notice that when we go down to the river, there are, at different times of the year, you find, you find a whole bunch of tadpoles, and then okay. you find bigger tadpoles... And then you find very small frogs, and then you find bigger frogs, and then it's winter and you don't find anything. You know, so, so I'm assuming an that it's thing. an annual thing. But yeah. even then, I would I would bet money that if you took uh, the sperm from one frog and an egg from the other frog, I'll bet you could still come up with a frog. I'll bet <laughs> nobody's tried it. They just say, "See, they're not oh, mating, they so it's two species." That could be. That could be because yeah. that's how they're yeah, the defining that they it don't nowadays. Want to breed, you know, maybe they don't like each other or something. Yeah, maybe all those frogs are Hatfields and these frogs are McCoys, and they're not allowed right. to get together. Or uh, Capulets and uh, Montagues. Oh, Capulets and uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, anyway, yeah. That, that's the. Um, regardless, I, and, and here's the thing. And I started saying up by saying this at the beginning. Scientifically, I'm a real skeptic of macroevolution. Yeah. Um, here's here's the problem. I didn't lose you, did I? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, no, I'm still here. These discussions on science have gotten kind of kind of difficult to even have um, because it seems like the Catholics have fallen into one of two camps either one you got to be like the fundamentalists who think that you know it's a young earth and uh it took exactly seven 24-hour periods to create and 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 then you've got the other side that are pretty much okay with whatever popular popular science says at the time and thinks it's it's just foolish to ever question anything. And oh, right. You know, I and I think those are the kinds of people who fall for the climate change and stuff like that, but it's it's hard to find people who uh 
are not fundamentalists, but still would dare to question, hey, well, maybe, you know, maybe you guys are jumping to conclusions here. Is there, is there any real evidence for this? And it's, it seems like if you dare to criticize or question macroevolution, suddenly you're a science denier and they automatically put you in the class of the young earthers or even the flat earthers, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, nobody's having the discussion that we're having right now. Put it that way. Yeah. Because I, I have no problem with microevolution and I have no problem with an old earth. I do have a problem with things that uh, jumping to conclusions when there's no, there's no real hard evidence for that conclusion. Yeah. Right. Other than saying this is possibly how it happened. You know, like the formation of, uh, 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 solar systems. We've got, oh, we think yeah. a good idea of how it might have happened, but it's still just theory. And you're not called crazy to, for saying, well, maybe that's not the way it happened. Maybe, and maybe it happens another way. There's still a lot of questions about it. They, it's, it's presented as fact in, you know, fifth grade science textbooks. Yeah. But in fact, cosmologists can, look at the the so-called facts presented in those textbooks and come up with a hundred objections to them and say, well, we don't really know that. And here's why. Yeah. So it's not unreasonable to question how the solar system was created, but there's nothing wrong with thinking that it happened that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think most normal scientists would, would agree with that. Nobody, Nobody thinks you're crazy for saying, well, maybe the solar system was created another way or yeah. developed, was formed in another way. But if you say, well, maybe macroevolution didn't really happen, maybe there's something else here, then you're a science denier. And so, and, and the, the discussion can't even take place. Yeah. That's, that's my problem with this. And the, the you know, it's a hard discussion to have because the, let's say, the dominant um, objection, the, the, the dominant, um, I don't even know how, what to call it. The, the voice. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a difficult discussion to have because w- the objection to macroevolution is dominated by a lot of bad arguments by Protestant creationists. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, and it's, it, again, it just makes it difficult to even have the discussion because uh, you're you're right away dismissed by anyone who's serious about it because of all the uh, loud talk from a side that really I'm not on. Um, and it's just... It's a shame that this is happening and that a a certain segment of popular science has kind of taken over that industry and um, they haven't really had to prove anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, you know, most people have to go through a level of uh, scrutiny before before they're declared to be uh, before before we'll say they're right. You know, even like. Galileo and, and he, he had to go through some stuff before we could come out and say, 
okay, yeah, I guess he's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What did Darwin didn't Darwin didn't really have to go through much, and his his descendants don't have to go through anything. They just say, "Oh, this is science," and suddenly yeah, we're not exactly. even allowed to we're not allowed to discuss it. And if and the people who are able to discuss it don't do a good job of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind yeah, of like it's kind of like the whole. Uh, it's kind of how a lot of the, dang on it, I'm trying to press a button on my computer and it wasn't working. Um, a oh. lot of the anti-vaccine discussion is, you know, you hear a lot of bad arguments against mm. the, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to turn you to a magnet. Magnetic. <laughs> I mean, that's just bad. They it's not a good do argument. Thing for our side. <laughs> And it's it, um, but it creates a a, a nice, uh, comfortable group to lump us all into. Yeah, it? yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing they they recognize that they're like, okay, we got this one guy out of a billion saying that it makes you magnetic. Let's say that oh. everyone who says anything against us is like this guy, and you're it's, all like, kooks who yeah, think it makes it, you magnetic. Well, wait mm-hmm. a minute here. And we've given the the whole uh, COVID vaccine a fair shake. I just, I never once thought that it would be something I would put into my body or in the body of my children. Mm-hmm. I still think it's fascinating, but I'm starting to find out it doesn't really work. Yeah, and it might do yeah, some things we don't like. They started saying it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And yet they're still insisting that we got to go do push it. it. <laughs> they want, yeah, they want everybody to do it. Yeah, this doesn't work, but everybody do it. Yeah, it, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, hmm. Okay, so here's the thing. All right, I I started by saying I'm a scientific skeptic of evolution, but I'm starting to become a... Let's say I'm in the process of possibly becoming a theological proponent of macroevolution. And... I, I need to be really clear about what I mean by that. Um, hold on a minute. I'm going to reach for my Bible. Okay. Okay, so I'm I'm reading through the Bible. This is kind of like for the second time. And there's the part where... Hold on, I'm going to find the part. Okay, and in fact, it's, it's Genesis 2, uh, starting around um, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the ground. All right. Now, if you read that at face value, it sounds like, oh, God wasn't going to have herbs and plants grow up in the field until there was a man to till the field and plant them. And then they were going to grow up. Well, obviously that's silly. Yeah. Uh, So that's not what that passage actually means. But the passage is real and it is saying something. Um, It's saying something about the purpose of God in creating plants. They are for our service. And this is actually, there's there's a, a line in one of the Psalms that refers to all the plants that are for the service of man. But that's what this is referring to. It's not saying that man came first chronologically, 
but it is saying that God's plan, God's eventual plan to make man the pinnacle of creation came first in terms of uh, his his plan for the universe overall, especially as it relates in this particular case to green plants. Okay. So all it's saying is that the reason we have these plants at all is so that man can till the fields and cause them to grow and have food and they can be at the service of man. That's why the plants are there. Now, here's here's what I got. I, I, I was reflecting on this passage and I was reflecting on some things that are observed in science, like, for example, based on on um, some of the, the uh, th- there's a process by which you can kind of read the spectra of um, gases and that kind of stuff in different parts of the galaxy um, uh-huh. as light from stars shine through them. And, and, and you can, from them, infer things about what make up those gases and things about what may be even in some of the outer regions of, you know, around stars and that kind of stuff. And not only do they find heavier elements like carbon and, and oxygen and nitrogen, they actually find what, what I, I, you know, haven't studied the science itself to, to know how accurate it is, but what they believe to be are a few of the, amino acids that make up proteins to make life. Okay. And here's here's what I got to thinking. What if God initially and maybe even fundamentally created a universe that wants to generate life and wants to generate a diversity of life? Not only here on this earth, but maybe on other planets and other solar systems, in other galaxies, you know, we've talked about the idea that that we may be traveling to other places, you know, of the universe, and we may find life there and animals there and that kind of stuff. What if God created a universe that, uh, from its in- infancy for the first, you know, fourteen billion years, wanted to create life and was all about doing that, and either specifically within our line of evolution. Or maybe throughout the universe generally, once man was introduced, once the soul of man as a eternal soul became part of the form of these living beings on earth we call homo sapiens, at that point, at the very least, our evolution ceased, our macroevolution became impossible because of the nature of our souls and maybe... Our souls, uh, you know, somehow the way we interacted with the universe or just through the plan of God, okay, I've brought life to where I want it to be for the sake of man. Now, I don't, you know, the universe doesn't have to have this evolutionary impulse anymore. Okay. And this is this is all theological. There's nothing scientific behind this speculation. Right. Uh, in fact, what if... What if the original plan, and, you know, I mean, we, we speak about original plan, plan A, plan B with God. It, it's kind of weird to talk about that because of God's immutability and stuff like that. But right. what if but the original two- plan was that the whole rest of the world was supposed to keep evolving even while we stopped because we had eternal souls 
that fixed us in in form. And okay, we have microevolution among humans. We have the different races and stuff like that. But we're all human and we stay that way and we've got eternal souls that keep us from really evolving. But what if we were supposed to be able to see macroevolution in action over the course of, you know, hundreds or thousands of years? But because of sin, that stopped too. Uh, And that's why we aren't able to observe it throughout the universe. Those are some things to ponder. Just but stuff I've been thinking. That, well, that one passage in Scripture that could never be to some thoughts like this. Proven or disproven. Um, no. No. It, like I said, it's, it's kind of a theological pondering process. I'm still a science, scientifically speaking, I'm still a big skeptic of macroevolution. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it as a viable explanation if you extrapolate today's observations backwards. Yeah. The... You know, another way, okay, see, okay, we've got people like, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Oh, I erased it because I thought we were going to talk about something else. Oh. <laughs> where did I put it? I don't even remember where I put it. You um, don't actually erase okay. anything, do you? Well, no, I, I use OneNote a lot. I don't know if you've ever oh, okay. used OneNote. But I, I have, and I put do notes. for work. Okay, and mm-hmm. then every now and then it's like, oh, I'm not going to use that, and then I just... Highlight the whole thing and start typing again. Um, yeah. But I didn't. Here it is. Um, one of the problems is that the church leaders are so scared of evolution and so scared, scared to... Scared of it or scared of... Scared of, of confronting the theories. Oh, scared of okay. ever even questioning it. You know, and, and yeah. people like Pope Francis, I've got a quote here from him. Uh, that Catholics risk imagining that God is a magician and was such magic wand as to be able to do everything when they think of the creation story. Um, I, well, I don't see how that's a problem. I, I, yeah, I mean, even if it, even if it took four billion years, I still see it, see it as pretty doggone magical. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of see it as like, it's like God, you know, waving his wand and plants spring hmm. up and, you know, you know, single-celled organisms suddenly abound on the earth and, you know, it's like... <laughs> the thing about macroevolution is that most of the developments have to happen all at once. Um, yeah. They don't... Microevolution, yeah, the beak can, of a hummingbird can get longer and longer because the flower keeps getting the, the prize, the, the honey, mm, and mm-hmm. the flower gets deeper and deeper as they try to fight for, uh, dominance of an area. Um, right, right. That obviously we can see happen, but when a, for example, a woodpecker needs to bang his beak against wood in order to break it. Um, it's not like we have softer wood with a softer beak. It has to be a hard beak to crack that wood. There's no yeah. evolution of the wood getting uh, harder. And when mm-hmm. a bird hits a, uh, a piece of wood hard enough to actually break it, there are special things in its brain that keep it from having a concussion. Those have to happen the very first time the bird starts banging his head against the wood. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And it it's obviously there to keep the woodpecker from damaging its brain. But yeah. it didn't happen because a number of birds kept banging their heads against the wood and damaging their brains. It didn't happen a little at a time so he could hit the wood harder and harder. In order to hit the wood hard enough to get at whatever grub or something is in there... He has to hit it hard enough to damage his brain. And the very first time he did that, he killed himself. He didn't have babies who might have a little bit of a better brain for this. You know what I mean? Those kinds of developments happen throughout all of, quote, macroevolution. And they have to happen immediately for a very specific reason. And they can't have happened slowly over time. Right. Uh, so at some point there was an egg in a nest and the bird coming out of it was a lot different than its parents. Mm -hmm. Um, we have no explanation of that. We have no, even, even if you're going to call it macroevolution, we have no vehicle. And the only vehicle is that Okay, if if that's what happened, that's what happened. But God still said, uh, "I'm going to wave my magic wand and make this bird so that it could break wood apart." Right, right. It's still that's, magic. That's, you know, it's like the 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 beak, the woodpecker's means of finding insects in the wood, is no good without the brain protection. Yeah, and the beak is no good without the special neck muscles that allow them to do that. Mm-hmm. And the neck muscles are no good without the beak and so on. It's, it's, it's like, and here's the thing. All of these things had to happen within DNA. So yeah, that it that's could the produce thing. the special proteins. It wasn't natural the, the, selection that did this. Right, right. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Hey, I've got a long beak and you've got a long beak. Okay, well, okay, now we've all got long beaks. Oh, you know what? I suddenly developed neck muscles being able to bang some wood, uh, and therefore I got more insects, but I died of a concussion in the process. But I had babies like with you know, a guy who's got stronger brain, and it's just things right. like... And so the stronger brains wouldn't have been naturally selected without banging on wood. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it it That's a very... That's a very simple but very typical example of how these kinds of things would have to happen all at once, and it would take magic. Yeah, yeah. And there's a few other uh, similar kinds of examples. Um, now, there are a few examples we see of, of uh, animals that do appear to be between one animal and another kind of animal, and this is mm-hmm. why... You know, maybe God did do it that way. Maybe God brought forth animals from animals from animals. Maybe every kind isn't, he didn't create a new kind and just kind of sprinkle it on the earth. Maybe he did start with animals and and do it as a generational uh, kind of um, creation. Okay, you know, if you think of it not as evolution, but as generational creation theologically that's how we should think of it as catholics yeah if if we're going to believe that it happened right hey for example there was a time when there were monkey-like creatures 
And then suddenly one of them, actually two of them, uh, were able, were able to say appreciate art. Mm-hmm. That, that happened in, they didn't more and more decide, hey, this looks good and this doesn't. And I like just looking at this because it's pretty. That, that happened all at once. And that's what we have to believe. That there were two parents for all mankind who had, who, who were so different from everything else on the planet. Uh, they didn't build up to, uh, a rational soul. It, it, it happened. So if they were born of monkeys and two separate sets of monkeys happened to have, well, maybe they were brothers and sisters. Maybe this weird monkey had some defective genes and Adam and Eve were actually brother and sister born from the same ape. And it was like, uh, they could, they could, uh, create language and they could appreciate art and beauty and they could make music. Um, and be different from all the other monkeys, it it would have it, it would still took a magic wand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it's okay to believe that. I just a... haven't seen anything to to make me want to believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't have any problem with God just creating a man and say, "Here, look at all this other stuff." And I can imagine you know taking billions of years to do it. Like I wonder what. I wonder about things like the angels, how they marveled as God created this giant physical universe that they couldn't even be a part of. And Yeah, that's true. Um, the animals got more and more complicated, but they never achieved um, rationale. And they, they couldn't think, and they certainly couldn't create. And then all of a sudden, there's this pinnacle to it, and there's this one creature who actually thinks and is able to understand things uh, kind of the way the angels are. And they're like, whoa, like the angels, what is yeah. this? In, in, in what? the image of God, agency and and uh, intellect. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay. And oh, that's that where point, you were going with that. Could, the angels could communicate with them then. Yeah, and, and be jealous of them. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and one of them was like, what? What is this? And then uh, the 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 theory right, is the, that the that's fall when of Lucifer and yeah God said, mm. "Hey, these I'm going to be one. Of I'm them. going to <laughs> adopt them and make them part of the Godhead, not part of the Godhead. I'm not saying that right, but you know what I mean. And Lucifer's right. like sharing the vision uh, of the Godhead. Uh, yeah. I don't think so. So yeah, we talk, we should do a podcast just on that about our our theories as far as uh, how that happened what happened first because mm-hmm. there's kind of a, a there's a question there there there's a little bit of a paradox there if if you accept it the way a lot of people accept it right because uh god creates man and says i'm going to become one of them satan gets angry and turns man against god and in order to save man god becomes man but he became man to save man and that was because Satan was jealous because he Corrupted, was going to become yeah, a man. Kind of a chicken There's, and egg. It's a, it is a paradox. And that, you know, I personally subscribe to the more Franciscan view that God was going to become one of us no matter what. 
And mm-hmm. it's only because of the fall that that became a sacrificial thing. But it was going to happen anyway, one way or another. And yeah. that's why the angels were... But, for example, Thomas Aquinas didn't believe that. I mean, it was it was a debated topic in his time. Was it? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay, we should talk and about that. And he came down on the side that, that disagrees with me. Really? So, you know, yeah. Well... Anyway, I guess um, we don't have. I don't have too much more to say about this. I just want. I just wanted to have a show where we point out that uh, you don't have to be scared of the evolution discussion. Mm-hmm. And if if you get into an argument with uh, a an atheist who argues on evolution, and if they start saying things to try to intimidate you, which a lot of them will. Uh, they'll try to use bigger words that they know you don't understand. There's nothing wrong with just saying, okay, wait a minute, explain what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just well, slow down is, and, and tell me what that means. And a lot of times they can't. mean? And, you know, two, two things. Okay, what does that word mean? What do these words mean? What is What are you talking about? Yeah. How do you know what you are saying is true and why does what you are saying mean what you are claiming it means all three of those questions need to be asked a little bit more insistently of the so-called science world yeah and um if if it's like most discussions with a lot of atheists They'll say, "Oh, see, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not going to waste my time on you. That's how it will end." <laughs> it's okay. It's like, oh, because okay. you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to say, "I don't know what I'm talking about." Yeah, well, you can't I don't even know explain is, it to me. I don't know what you're talking about, and apparently, you don't either. <laughs> yeah, that's that's often how those kinds of discussions will go. Um, but don't be afraid of them, and. Uh, you know, don't be afraid of evolution, but but that doesn't mean you have to accept everything wholeheartedly without ever questioning it. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's all we got. That's all we got on that top. I thought this all was right. going to be a short podcast. I thought we'd run out of stuff to say in I half know. an hour. <laughs> I th- I th- I think I well I was actually I you had more than I thought you would. I think I would have gone a half hour. Maybe you would have gone a half hour. Okay, well... i got to figure out where I put out. the news. Uh, oh, you, you have some news? By yeah, the way, I do. do you have a saint today, too? Not really. Again? I was going to try to... I was going to try to fake one. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? I was going to try to do Saint Drogo. Oh, you should. But I don't totally remember everything. <laughs> I don't, there's, there's so little we actually know about him. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll try. Okay. okay, and and we'll recommend a book, too. Yeah, I know of a book that you can get. Um, okay, anyway, in the news, uh, of course, this uh, week we had these terrible tornadoes. It was like, I don't know how many states that went across, but it, uh, it was mostly in Kentucky. But it also yeah, big, went uh, Arkansas, Kentucky. Missouri, Illinois, Tennessee. Missouri, yeah, um, yeah I, I think at the last count... Uh, 74 dead. Okay. At the last count that I found. So, yeah. that's a lot. 
Uh, I heard stories. I don't know. You know, there were a lot of stories floating around. I heard stories of like uh, an Amazon um, warehouse where, you know, it's at night, so you can't always see. And I guess for some reason, nobody heard the sirens. And oh, wow. some, some guy's wife or mother or something called him and said, hey, are you guys safe? There's a tornado like right next to you. And um, what I was told is that he ran through the warehouse yelling that there's a tornado and everybody, most uh, most of the Amazon warehouse, they have like green areas where you go for, for tornado safety, things like that. I remember mm-hmm. having to cram into one of those during a tornado warning. Um, uh, but the guy who sounded this warning, like Paul Revere, is uh, died. Oh, that's, wow. Oh, that's what I've heard. I don't. I wish I could. Vicky tells me about these stories, and I, I never think, oh, I might want to talk about that. I should get a link or something. But uh, that's that's incredible. Uh, it's incredibly sad, and it's you know it's still inspiring. Um. Anyway, it was yeah, it was some some pretty deadly tornadoes. We didn't see a single. We got a little bit of wind. Yeah, I don't. We I don't know some, how some far north. Pretty it went, strong but. wind one night. I, you know, it it blew over my shepherd on my nativity outside. That was yeah. It. The thing is about Cincinnati is that you can. I mean, we're kind of like at the edge of. I don't know if this is part of Tornado Valley or not. I do know that Indiana is all flat, and tornadoes come from there all the time. Mm-hmm. And they also come from down south, even though it's hilly down there. But most of the tornadoes headed toward Cincinnati stop at Cincinnati. They, I can't think huh. of any time when the city of Cincinnati was actually struck with a tornado. It's surrounded by those hills. Yeah, the, the hills. And I've been told that things like the concrete and the, uh, the, the power structure and stuff like that interrupts weather systems oh okay and i can see that happening because i've never seen downtown cincinnati get hit with a tornado now i saw a pretty Mm -hmm. bad one up in dayton but i don't even then i don't think it hit like downtown area it went around the the edges oh well um a tractor trailer transporting 180 illegal immigrants so i guess it's just like a big old uh trailer 180 people in there how do you fit 180 people in a semi? A trailer? Uh, a semi? 180 people? That's insane. Uh, mostly oh. Guatemalans and Hondurans. It that's crashes even, in Mexico. trafficking. Yeah. Killing 55 people and wounding 105 it's others. Stuck like sardines. Yeah. I mean, okay. It brings to mind the, you know, the Schindler's List. When, or, or Schindler's List, yeah. When they're all in the train being shoved in there like uh, animals and moved mm-hmm. from one camp to another. Um, 180 people. Wow. These, these These people who are trying to open up the borders need to wake up to... This is this is what you're promoting with open borders. Yeah. This... It, it would not make it easier for these... Because these people would still have to pay... To get across the border, even if it was all legal, the cartels in other countries would still make people pay to be allowed 
to get to America. So you're not helping by allowing them in. You're just making it easier for the cartel to do their jobs and yeah, traffic that, human you know, beings. That's one of the things. If if the United States completely opened their border, the cartels themselves would set up a wall. Yeah. So they could control it. Now, with the United States, the more the United States enforces their own wall so that the cartels can't even traffic people across, yeah, the less the cartels have the ability to use the U.S. border for human trafficking. The more the U.S. backs off and says, eh, whatever, the more car- the cartels are going to set up their own barriers and the more human trafficking you're going to have. Yeah. Uh... Someone is reporting, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases is saying that they've got an mRNA vaccine for AIDS. Wow. Shows 79% efficacy rate, efficiency rate, Mm -hmm. uh, with no major side effects in animals. But I just, okay, a vaccine, are they talking about something that cures you of AIDS or or kills the HIV virus or something that prevents it. I I, I question to, things like this. Yeah, be, because the the and and my son makes a lot of makes um a, a lot of this that that the CDC or whoever's job it is to do this mm-hmm. recently modified the definition of vaccine in order to allow the COVID vaccine. To be called a vaccine. Yeah. But in the traditional definition of vaccine, I would think that what it does is cause your body to produce the antibodies that make it so that the HIV virus cannot get hold inside of you and therefore you don't get AIDS. Who would ever put that into their body? That vaccine that, that would yeah. Be- I mean, we put other keep vaccines AIDS. in our body. Yeah, I know, but AIDS? No, well, I would not. Well, you know, there was a time when it's AIDS. like, okay, AIDS is mostly like a, a, a gay and drug user's disease, but it still is. they can spread it to other people through their blood and that kind of stuff. And so there was a real concern. I don't know that that's a concern so much today, Maybe you know, that it, that it really needs to be. Today, I think the people who are interested in this vaccine are the people who who want to go out and live a gay lifestyle, a promiscuous gay lifestyle, and not worry about getting it. They're the ones who want to go and engage in hookups without consequences. And this is one more consequence for them to knock down. I guess if you're gay and you want to have a lot of hookups, uh, you could go get a vaccine first. Uh, It's still going to ruin your life, but, I mean... (laughs) yeah. Living that lifestyle is not good for people. It ruins their lives. No matter how many viruses there are, even if without and, any viruses, it's not yeah. good for you. Okay. Well, um, London High Court accepts an appeal from the U.S. to extradite uh, the WikiLeaks guy, Julian Assange, to oh. the U.S. So they're going to send him to the U.S. I don't okay. know even what charges he's answering now are are these charges concerning like um for leaking information is that what the charge is i don't know but um now the australian deputy prime minister and the national party leader um 
and a group of Liberty Party uh, and Labor Party people criticizing this this happening because Julian Assange is actually Australian and they're saying you can't send him to the U.S. because he hasn't broken any Australian laws. So it's wrong to extradite him to the U.S. And oh, okay. I think this is a kind of a big point here. Did he? It, it is a so like if you're on U.S. soil and you break a U.S. law, you then yeah we get to whatever jurisdiction has a right to prosecute you, and yeah. then if you flee the country, we can call for extradition. If you don't ever set foot on U.S. soil and you do something that happens to be in violation of U.S. law, that we don't thereby have a right to extradite you to the yeah. U.S. Like, for example, let's suppose that you're in um, Germany and you make copy, you do something that does not violate Germans' copyright law, Germany's copyright law, but does violate U.S. copyright law. Not likely because most of the rest of the world has copyright law that's well, more strict than the United dead. States. Well, let's say Russia. Okay. okay. So you're in Russia. You do something that happens to violate U.S. copyright law, but not Russian copyright law, and you're on Russian soil while you're doing it. The U.S. can't call for your extradition from Russia to yeah. answer charges to U.S. law. You weren't in their jurisdiction when you committed the act. Right. That, that's a good point, and this is this is a real point. And I think the Australians probably, uh, you know, uh, even yeah. if the information happened to go across borders, you still have to physically be in the jurisdiction when you commit the act to be liable to prosecution under that jurisdiction. Yeah. It, it's, and I don't want a world where that's not true. And on top I think of there's it a lot all, of people. All I did was publish information he was given. Yeah. If it wasn't true, that would be one thing. But it was true. So, yeah. why is this wrong? I, I never understood people who criticize, uh, who, who, who thought Trump, uh, was doing something wrong by, first of all, this didn't happen. But, uh, who, who, uh, cooperated with WikiLeaks to release uh, Hillary's emails because the emails really were real. They were real emails and they pointed out a lot of terrible things. I don't care where it came from. I don't care if it came from Julia Assange or from Russia. It was real. Yeah. It was information that we ought to have as voters. I don't care where it comes from. Oh well. Um, so 106 members of Ukraine neo-Nazi youth group are arrested in Russia. Uh, they're suspected of planning attacks, including mass murders and a bunch of other stuff. Wow. Uh, Russia is accusing Ukraine intelligence of financially funding the group. Uh, Ukraine is mm-hmm. saying that this is all bogus and that... Probably yeah, is. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Uh, the FBI, like getting someone all ramped up and trying to talk them into bombing a place and then arresting, and then arresting them. them and yeah. getting credit for stopping what they started. Yeah. yeah. That, kinda, I, and you know what? Russia would be 
even more into that kind of stuff than, than the U.S. FBI. Yeah. I mean, that would exactly be what you would expect from a place like Russia. Yeah, I have a feeling that's what was that's what that is. If there's any truth to it at all, it might just be completely bogus. Yeah, it might be but, bogus completely. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, develop. I guess I'm not going to do that one. Uh, scientists announced that uh, Parker Solar Probe, NASA's Parker Solar Probe, became the first ever spacecraft to enter the stellar corona of the sun wow. during a flyby. I. I don't understand that. I don't understand how... So, the corona is like an aura of plasma that surrounds a star. Yeah. Um, the sun's well, corona is like... Vaporized. Yeah. <laughs> it extends millions of miles out into space. Uh, mm-hmm. and you can see it during a, a total eclipse. Um, and the... I mean... Is Mars with, I mean, not Mars, Mercury within the corona? I don't think so. You know what? I don't even know. Um, They are saying, instruments indicate that the corona is hotter than the very surface of the sun. That's what I, okay. So I I don't understand how anything could go through there and still exist. <laughs> or at least communicate, right? Back like to Earth. talk back to us. It'd be like, well, <laughs> well, you know, everything died. You know, that's like because like we flew super into the sun. I mean, I know I, that yeah. we have we develop materials that can withstand extremely high heat, um, but, but working yeah, this, this goes. This goes beyond Pyrex. <laughs> Although, who knows? Maybe Corning had had some of the uh, have some of the patents related to this. That would, that would yeah. be cool if they do. <laughs> Corning wear. <laughs> it was covered in Teflon. That's right. <laughs> Here's the thing: if it were anyone but uh, NASA claiming this, I, I kind of wouldn't believe. Be it. skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If, if, if it were like Russia if it were or China. China yeah, it'd be like, even, ah, nah, I don't know, even don't France so. or, or, I don't know, Germany or so, I'd be right. kind of skeptical. But. <laughs> but NASA is very open. It's probably the most yeah. transparent uh, organization in America. Well, you know, by U.S. law, everything that the government does is, uh, on, on, initial, um, on initial impulse, open, transparent, yeah. and public domain. Like, for example, if a U.S. agency writes software, it is public domain. No copyright. Nobody can put a copyright on it. Um, I did not know that. And it's only if there's a specific reason related to, say, national security or something like that, yeah. that they're allowed to keep something secret. Or they've gotten into some cases where if it's related to, like, personal privacy, that like, like a lot yeah. of county okay. jurisdictions now, um, you know, there are things that they'll say, okay, this kind of record personal privacy reasons we'll keep it secret for so many years but by definition within u.s law at least on on first impression every record created by a government entity is inherently public domain mm-hmm. and i don't think any other country in the world is quite like that yeah well i know one thing if you are a uh space enthusiast there is a huge amount of data that you can get from NASA. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's you don't have to be anyone special to get it. You can get 
uh, copies. You can go there right now to their website and look at uh, miles and miles of pictures taken by the various probes. And I think that's amazing. Just that yeah. that anyone can go do that. It's I I I love the fact that uh, we're ramping up NASA again, mm-hmm. and hopefully it continues. Um, right. You'll get a lot more from them than you would uh, Elon Musk's company, <laughs> space whatever. Uh, uh, court in Hanoi, Vietnam, sentences two Facebook users to jail sentences for conducting propaganda against the state. One man was sentenced huh. to 10 years and the other to five years. Well, one was go. 10 years in prison, one five years of house arrest. Uh, and there's a couple other ones. but Conducting uh, propaganda against the state. You, you, you people who want communism, you got to... That's it. There's your you communism just, for you. You don't know what and you... You know what? There's your socialism for you. I mean, people yeah, like to it say, is. oh, well, socialism, not communism. Well, guess yeah. what? There's your socialism for you. You go to socialist states, they're not allowed to have commercials that's, against that's what it is. politicians. It's yeah. illegal. It's like, oh, well. Uh, oh, five five kids are killed in a, uh, from a, one of those bouncy castles that blew up in the air. This happened in really? Australia. Yeah, Tasmania. What happened? Australia. Like it got, got caught in the wind or something? Yeah, actually, there was oh, nine kids. Well, four four injured and five actually died. Oh my! Wow, those are supposed just, to be staked down. You're supposed to have those yeah. those guy wires. I mean, you see, you drive past them and you see them. They've got the guy wires and yeah. and they're all staked into the ground and stuff. Well, okay, I don't know if they I, always have them. When I, I was a imagine. kid and I paid attention to them, when we went to the Harvest Home Fair, there were these top wires that were, it was staked down. Yeah, we rented one. Uh, oh, did you the, guys rent one? Yeah, the guy who owned it had to come out and install it. And he staked mm-hmm. it all down. Um, okay, yeah. But, I, but, okay, imagine this. You know, uh, after taxes, I've got a few, I got like a thousand bucks left over that mm-hmm. I feel like I could splurge. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we got a bouncy house and you know, you, it's just a normal guy who gets one and doesn't ever think, Oh, I got to strap this down and all the neighborhood kids come over. Hey, dude's got a bouncy house and everybody gets in. And then yeah. I, I can see that happening. It's mm-hmm. just a shame that I don't know. It's a shame. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, if you have one, <laughs> Find a way to tie it down. Yeah. Uh, Biden is warning, making warnings about the unvaccinated. He says, uh, and he's talking specifically about the the new uh, COVID nineteen variant. I think it's called what's it called? The Omicron or whatever. Yeah, Omicron. Uh, he's saying it's here now and it's spreading and it's going to increase. Um, for the unvaccinated, we're looking. At a winter of severe illness and death. I don't think they've That's got a single death from Omicron yet. Yeah, well, he's saying the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. <laughs> oh, well. You know. I, <laughs> he has no basis for that. He's just I know. spouting. <laughs> Neither do all the colleges. Now the colleges are <laughs> colleges are reporting that they're back to square one. Mm-hmm. 
Colleges across the U.S. have once again been thwarted in seeking a move to normalcy and are starting to require booster shots, extend mask mandates, limit social gatherings, and in some cases, revert to online classes. These people are so stupid. I just, I just don't get how stupid our educated people are. But then again, I do because, uh, we've educated a group of people to not believe and not trust in God. And yeah. when that happens, I mean, and, and then when you've got a, a media trying to scare you, it, it works. Mm-hmm. But for the Catholics who do really trust in God and don't worry about a lot of things, um, it doesn't work. It's like, well, I, I, it's, it's just weird. I go to the Novus Ordo, and the entire church is masked. Yeah. And I go to a, a, a Tridentine mass, I don't see any masks. Mm-hmm. And and they're all enjoying their lives, and they're not worried about anybody dying or getting sick. And well, okay, I got sick. It's not because they don't think. And sometimes people die. die. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not that. Dying we don't is part of life. You know, they 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 take reasonable precautions around at risk people. But other than that, go on, live your life, and and yeah, you know that that's how they see it. Yeah. By the way, did did you notice that the words? Because you know, what are the two variants uh, of COVID that that they've named so far? I thought there were. I don't. I knew about. I knew about Delta, and right. I thought there were. I thought they were using uh, the alphabet. I thought there was an A B C D thing going on. Well, but I guess I'm I wrong. don't know because I. I you know. That's what I wanted. When they came out with Delta, I said, well, what happened to Beta and Gamma? Omicron. Yeah. That's what, I guess because it was called Delta, I just assumed there must have been an Alpha. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm assuming the first one is Alpha, but, but the two variants that we know about are Delta and Omicron. Those, those are the only ones anybody's heard about, right? Yeah. All right. Did you, 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 do you ever play those anagram? puzzles when you were a kid where you, the words are scrambled into letters and you got to arrange them to figure out the right word oh yeah well what is- do you ever notice that the words delta omicron it are an am- anagram for media control well it is isn't it yeah huh. <laughs> okay wow just one of those things i'm gonna throw out there for all the conspiracy theorists <laughs> Yeah. Chew on that for a while. Let's make a meme. Right. By the way, people, you're probably hearing my new uh, Zippo. Like, Oh, okay. You got a new one, I, huh? Well, yeah, I used to cut cut them out, and then I thought, why am I cut? Okay, guy, yeah, I smoke, all right? And I used to Zippo to life, but I've lost my Zippo like six months ago, and I didn't buy one because it's like 30 bucks. They're expensive. Yeah, but yeah, real zip those are. I saw this Chinese site selling something called a Zorro, <laughs> and um, I thought, okay, for six bucks, I'll just buy like four or five of them, and that uh-huh. will last as long as my Zippo will. But, but they didn't. No, it's like it's <laughs> just as good and heavy, and it feels like a Zippo. Oh, really? I yeah, I love it. Wow. Okay, and because you know you can get Zippo knockoffs at like any gas station for yeah. like six or seven bucks. Yeah, and those but are I've real never cheap. Tried them. But yeah, 
I've tried them and and I don't like them. They they're cheap and you can tell it's a knockoff. This mm-hmm. feels like a zipper. Yeah, but they have Elvis on them. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, I got a I got like six of these and it's to the point where it's like um I'm using one and I know I'm going to use it for a couple years and now I have three or four other What are you going to do with five others? Yeah, I I mean normally I would we're right around Christmas. I would give them out as gifts, but nobody. Well, sure. A zip of something only a smoker would have, and there's nobody smoke. Nobody smokes anymore. So, so it, do do yours have the uh, the little hole in the side of the of the flame guard no. that allows you to use it for like pipes or anything? No. I asked oh, Jason okay. too. I said, so is it? Are these easy to use for pipes? And he said, no, they're not really. If it yeah. doesn't have that hole, no, it's not. Okay. Otherwise, I'd okay. give you and Jason one. <laughs> but you use it for cigars. But si- you but since you don't, but you it know, would only be with your cigars. Yeah, that that you got to use wood to light cigars. Right, and not only that, it's like it's one of those things that if if you only smoke once a week, then you'd have to fill it every week. If you, oh yeah, because it'll you know evaporate. what I mean. So it's mm-hmm. like it's. It's really only a cigarette smoker's lighter. So, um, yeah, makes sense. Okay. Well, if, uh, I don't know. When you hear the clack, that's what it is. That's what it is. Maybe we should have some kind of contest and I'll, I'll send someone, uh, one of these Zoros if they, uh, if they send us something. A good, a good, what? Good a good sink story. Yeah, yeah. Send us a good topic to discuss. The best topic suggested uh i'll 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 email you back or whatever and i'll ask you what your address is and i'll send you a zorro all right uh salvation army donations are down uh speaking of which okay people you catholics out there should know the salvation army is a church yeah it's not Uh, just a thrift it's not like goodwill right you're you're not allowed to donate to other churches so, so, don't you know, drop your change in the Santa ringing the bell bucket and don't donate to the Salvation Army. Take your right. clothes either to Goodwill or, if one's close enough, St. Vincent de Paul. Right. That would be the thing to do. Um, anyway, they they published some guide on white culture. Uh, oh, my. And it talked about the denial of racism and uh, defensiveness about race and uh, how white Americans need to stop trying to be colorblind. It, it, it was all part of, you know, critical race theory. Yeah, I don't understand that. I just, <laughs> first they want us colorblind, now we're not allowed to be colorblind, but we're still not allowed to talk about color. So, uh. <laughs> what does that all mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, unless you're not white. So anyway, uh, they're, they had this on their website, and they got a lot of flack, and then they pulled it down. But their uh, their donations have gone way down. So, mm-hmm. but Catholics should not be donating to them anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, fentanyl overdoses are now the leading cause of death for adults between 18 and 45 in the U.S. <laughs> the fact is, we have a lot of fentanyl overdoses. And it's gone up incredibly in the past year or two. And I'm sorry, this is stemming from 
this is stemming from COVID um, uh, laws. I, I oh, that's yeah, what I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and 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 yeah, that's that's. But he yeah, was, you're right. The 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 as a uh, uh, a remedy against the, the obvious depressive uh, um, effects of yeah. these COVID laws. You know, the thing is, I remember during the first stages of the shutdown, I um, I pointed out that um, I pointed out that the no- the number of deaths due to uh, suicide and other depression related deaths are going to go up when when we start shutting businesses down, causing unemployment and shutting down the centers that could help people with addiction like uh, 12-step programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I drove all over Cincinnati looking for a 12-step program to take someone to a meeting uh, back then, and there were none open. There, there were no 12-step yeah. programs. Wow. People, you know, AA meetings were all closed. It was yeah. insane. It's like, okay, well, how can they not see how bad this is? But nobody did. Instead, they were worried about catching a cold, and so all the people who died as a result of this, I think I still think people are refusing to see this connection. And it's so obvious to me. Uh, again, I don't understand people who are still on a blue pill. Yeah. Um, that is all I've got. All right. Well, I have a few things. Uh, first of all, this is just kind of... I saw this and it's just kind of fun. Um, somebody got. <laughs> it's like it's like almost like handed to a official to be able to uh, use the term "sticky situation." By the way, I need to forward you. Yeah, uh, see, here we go again. I need to forward you the links. Yeah, that's. Uh, I had a nonsense news. Oh, you know what? I'm going to talk about. Okay. Um, the- it's like two years ago. I was driving through Columbus. And I saw this guy on a corner sitting with a shopping cart and a guitar and uh, uh, one of those harmonicas that just hang on your shoulder and mm-hmm. something else. And he looked like this little one-man band guy. He just looked real interesting to me. Um, but I'm being pushed by traffic. I can't just stop. All I could do was get my camera out and take a quick snapshot of him and i always wondered about him and lo and behold uh, a couple days ago i'm driving through columbus again and it's the exact same situation i got cars behind me and i'm driving past him and i can't stop so i pulled into the nearest uh parking lot and walked back and this time i got video of him and um I don't know. It, it was interesting. I don't know why I was so interested in it, but this little one-man band, he's sitting on the corner singing and mm-hmm. playing. And uh, I i was somewhat impressed by it. Uh, so you going to put the uh, video he needs, up? Yeah, I'll put the video up. What, what, what do we call this guy? The Columbus one-man band? or You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like the Cincinnati uh, had the naked cowboy. This is uh-huh. kind of a guy who looks kind of like a bum. Uh, yeah. But the singing bum? I don't know. This, uh, uh, this, yeah, I don't, 
don't know if you want to call him a bum or not. Is he a bum? Is he is he singing for you know for? Does he have like a, a money jar out there or whatever? He did not have a money jar. I gave him money, yeah, uh, like a buck okay. or whatever I had in my pocket. But um, I don't know why he's sitting on the corner. Well, he's got a shopping cart. Oh, okay. okay. Whenever so you see a shopping homeless. cart, you assume that it, so he's the singing homeless yeah. guy. All right. Okay. The Columbus singing homeless guy. I will put on YouTube and then link to it on the website. And I'll show my original picture that I got of him a couple years ago. All right. Okay. Uh, You should be getting my list of links. Okay. Yeah, I've got it. So what are we talking about? So for the first one, it's like just the idea that a uh, police official gets to stay, say, we have a sticky situation. Uh, and mean it. Uh, so I guess on I-65, um, it says around Fair Oaks. I'm going to find out where that is. I should know Fair where that Oaks. is. Because that's in this, that's in Indiana. That's in Indiana, but I've never heard of it. I've never been there. And it's at 65. That, oh, that's way up by uh, Chicago. That's like way up north. Yeah. Well, you know, that's 65. Like closer to Gary, I guess. Yep, it's it's sixty five goes all the way up there, up up just a little bit south of Gary. Yeah, uh, north okay. of Lafayette. So apparently, a uh, there was a a spill, a crash, a semi like crashed, uh, dropping a whole bunch of honey all over the highway. Ooh. How do they tra- do you think that's transported in like a bunch of jelly, a honey jars, or do they have a or tank is it or was it a honey? great big? Yeah, I. I'm trying to to figure out is that debris on the road? Is that like broken glass and stuff, or is that just debris from the the semi itself? It's kind of hard yeah. to tell. I think, yeah, I don't know, but that would be sticky. How do you wash it? Yeah. I guess you just hope for rain soon. I guess, but yeah, uh, can you imagine driving through that and getting it all over it's your like- car? Be worse than sap because your wheels turning and it would grab it and fling it up onto your car. Yeah, and then get home and there'd be all this gum all over it, and then like bugs and stuff would be like, "Ooh, free honey!" and all the bugs would be going to your car, but they'd stick to it. It's like glue. You'd have a bug mobile. Not to mention that, uh, you know, for that mile of highway, your your fuel efficiency would go to the tank. Right. Yeah, because you'd be, you'd be going kind of slow because you're stuck to the road. That's right. <laughs> It'd be like a Tom and Jerry cartoon where it's like you reach the honey, boom, and then, but, yeah, then you can't go. Suddenly. <laughs> Hope no one's chasing uh, you at that time. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, next, I you know, <laughs> I think there's something to this uh, CBD stuff, and I think Santa sent one of his deer down to uh, to go get some for him. A deer crashed into a wellness store in Massachusetts um, that oh. is a actually a C- CBD store. <laughs> <laughs> Went to get some CBD, but, I, you, okay, I saw the video, 
And it looks like he crashed through one window and ran yeah. straight out and crashed through the next <laughs> window. The <laughs> Did anybody watch carefully to see if see if he reached out to grab some of the merchandise? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, I'll tell you what those sh- those shelves don't look very full, but uh, no, they don't. <laughs> maybe he thought it was a weed store and it ended up just oh, being CBD right. and it's like, CBD I don't want CBD. I don't need this. I wanted Shoot. THC. That's not what the boss wanted. Darn, I gotta find another place. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, so, here's the thing. The, the, the story that is being presented as the story is not what the story is in my mind. Um, so the, the headline is Camel Beauty Contest Rocked by Botox Scandal. So apparently some camel uh, breeders have been injecting their camel's lips and stuff with Botox in order to get them to... Are you um, kidding me? Like, the real story to my mind is that there's such a thing as a Camel Beauty Contest because... A camel is like God kind of like got together with his angels and say, hey, guys, what, what can we do to make an ugly animal? Okay. Actually, uh, you should look at some of the, the videos and pictures of that. I, I heard about that like a long time ago. Uh, it's real really? neat. They carve like, you know how it, it was common to get, you know, your initials and things like that carved into your uh Hair, mm-hmm. they, do they do that. The real, yeah, real intricate artwork on these camels. Huh. Um, it it looks actually pretty cool, and and uh, unless unless this is a different uh, contest, but I remember okay. uh, seeing a news story about it. It was like ten years ago, and huh. and it was actually really impressive that they. Uh, I'm gonna look at the. Yeah, because it, it says here that the it's a Saudi Arabia uh, camel festival uh, invites breeders of the most beautiful camels to compete for a 66 million dollar, well, for 66 million dollars in prize money. Okay, this is not what I saw. This is something else. This is more okay. like a, a normal camel breed. You know, because like, okay, if you got a show animal, mm-hmm. you you breed them. As we were talking with microevolution, you breed them for certain characteristics, and yeah. uh, there are there's a set of uh, guides that that tell you how good that animal is. Um, I could tell you a lot about what makes a good looking goat, and right. uh, you know. The shape of their rump, the shape of their udders, how much milk they held, all kinds of things. But mm-hmm. and and that's what this looks like. It is. It's just like a, a breeders' show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's something else, and it's like it's it's something in the desert that people come from miles around, and they they uh, they do all kinds of intricate artwork on their camels, oh. and it, it's almost like a camel. Uh, Tattoo contest. I I'm gonna look for pictures of that or a story about that. Yeah, I'll put that on there. It it was really <laughs> neat what I saw. 
I'll see if I can find something like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, like I said, the story that they're being reporting in the news is the Botox. To me, that story crazy. was Camel Beauty Contest. Especially 60-something million dollars. Yeah, for having a pretty That's camel. a lot of money. <laughs> I wonder how much a camel costs. I, yeah, I bet they're expensive. Yeah, I mean, well, and I'll tell you what. They're also probably... Uh, um, uh, expensive to keep, you know. Like they, they probably oh, right, eat a right, lot. Right, right, Yeah. I know you don't you have to feed, feed them, them often, but I'll bet they eat a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. All right. Let's see. What else do I have? Uh oh. <laughs> this is a just a small one. So, somebody had to lose their job over this, but uh, there's an exit sign in Delaware. Uh, that misspelled the state name. Okay, hold on. It's called the Amazing Camel Hair Art oh. at uh, Bikener Camel Festival. B-I-K-A-N-E-R Camel Festival. I'm just if you look up Google that... Amazing Camel Hair Art. Oh, you, you if, if you Google it, you'll see a bunch of images for it. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's pretty cool. You gotta admit, that's okay. neat. The Caner Camel Festival, yep. Here's the thing. I'm seeing this artwork, and I don't know if, like, the hair is dyed, or... It looks like... It looks like it's... Do you notice how it's darker in the shaved areas? Yeah, almost like it, it's... But it's also oh. cut, not just dyed. Yeah, you know what? They probably like a lot of animals. I know goats do. There's an outer fur and a more inner oh, fur. Oh, two coats. So you basically oh. shave away the outer fur and you've got this inner darker fur and mm-hmm. that's probably why it looks that way. That uh, makes a lot of sense. But it would be cool going to one of those things. That That's really neat. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's a big festival. And you actually could have, I mean, if you were willing to do it, you could have three tones. You could have the outer, the inner, and then the skin. Right. And well, one of the problems here is that the one thing I don't like about this is that um, these kinds of animals, like camels and goats and whatever, they do mm-hmm. actually get sunburned. Oh so, yes, yeah, so you got to be you, yeah. You, if you're going to shave that in. outer layer, you need or that inner layer, the you inner need one. to be careful, right? Because right. I've shaved a goat before and I realized, oh, some of it is. Pretty she's cool. got sunburn. Yeah, they're really neat. But I can see having a six million dollar contest. Sixty for that. I'm sorry. Sixty million dollars. Yeah. Sixty six million dollars in prizes for that. But uh Not just, just for, for how camels. how big their lips are and stuff like that. Well that's kinda silly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where are we now? Well I interrupted right. you. Oh yeah. Delaware. Delaware. Uh, I just wonder who lost their job over this. An exit sign misspells the word. Delaware. Now, it's for Delaware Avenue, but they spelled Delaware uh, D-E-L-W-A-R-E. D-E-L Delaware Avenue. Delaware. Yeah, instead of Delaware. You think that's... There it is. Do you you think... Are you sure there's no Delaware Avenue? Well, the news story is exit sign misspelled. Okay, so somebody had to misspell it. They do explain it. it. They they say that uh, it it was meant to be a temporary sign anyway, and he kind of put it up in a hurry. 
Okay. But still, somebody had to make the sign. Somebody had to uh, design it before that. Then yeah. somebody made it. Then somebody put it up. And somebody <laughs> gave the okay for that. Didn't anyone say, hey, you know this is misspelled? <laughs> Should we spell it right? Put a, like, do it like when you do in school with papers. Just draw an A on there and then have a little arrow pointing <laughs> down to between yeah. us. <laughs> you got to cram it in there. <laughs> Try to make it look like you meant it that way. <laughs> or like when you get to the end of a page and you... you, you Make your letters real, real small. I'll just get real small and <laughs> curl down the side of the page. <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> okay, well, they didn't do that. They just left them. No, misspelling they just there. said, "All right, guys, we're going with the misspelling here." Yeah. <laughs> okay, now this one, I, I, I almost felt like I had reported on this one before, but it's saying December eighth um, as the date, uh, but it says that a. Uh, a uh, New Hampshire woman allegedly kept her mother's corpse for months while continuing to collect social security payments. Ah, uh, that's a... Did I report that's a, that on before? No, that, but it's a... a common thing? Uh, what's the name of that guy? Okay, who oh, wrote... Norman Bates. No. Who, uh, who wrote Con- No Country for Old Men? The, uh, the book? McCor- the original? McCormick or something. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, hold on. Why did he do that? <laughs> Um, no. Well, he's got another book. Let me. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, McCormick, Cormac McCarthy. That's his name. Mm-hmm. One of my easily one of my favorite writers. Uh, not as much as Philip K. Dick, but uh, mm-hmm. if you like dark stories and depressing stories, uh, that's the guy you want to read. But. I'm looking for his books. He also has a book called Have an Easy List where I can just look at him. It's, uh, Sutri. Sutri. S-U-T-T-R-E-E. It's the name of the, the guy in the book. Um, and they've got a, he's got a situation in there where the guy's, uh, stepmom and him are collecting checks for their for his stepdad or something like that and he dies but they're still getting the checks and they keep putting it off and putting it off until finally it's like it's starting to smell really bad he doesn't know what to do finally he puts him in the trunk and he and he takes him to a bridge to throw him overboard but he still ends up getting caught and going to jail oh but, okay. uh, when I went let's see when was that written that was written in why does what's the name just, of the book Sutri, S-U-T-T-R-E-E. Oh, that's the name of the book. Okay. That is the name of the book, and that is... And that's the character. Okay. And that's the character. Uh, Looks like it was written in... I don't know. You know, normally, like when you do things like this with with TV shows and stuff like that, all the dates and everything pop... Oh, it was written in 2010. Okay, so... so It's not my favorite book by him, but it's not real bad book. Yeah, it's an it's an okay book. Well, this woman got the idea maybe from that book. 
Yeah, and so she just kept collecting the checks. It and doesn't it's like, say well, where she got the idea. I don't know. I, I'm thinking that Norman Bates maybe had, you know, a more pragmatic Some influence reason. there, yeah. Either she saw Psycho <laughs> or she read Sutri. And she decided, I'm going to keep getting these checks. Yeah. But don't... Was this Social Security checks or... Yeah, it says they were Social Security. She probably has to pay them back. Let me see if it says in here. But don't don't you uh, continue... Six, nearly six res- months. It don't was your you mother. Con- you don't get your mom's Social Security. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. If it was a spouse... Right, you would keep getting them. Yeah, she'll, she's going to be charged... <laughs> For, I guess several things. I, I don't know. <laughs> how how long did it was six months? Six wow. months. Yeah, that's a lot of to- time to this, have a this, dead body. Her mother died natural causes days just days before Memorial Day. <laughs> and what'd she do? Put her in the freezer or something? I don't know. Charged with abuse of a corpse. That's what she's being charged with. Which uh, it was hidden in her home, so she hid it. Somewhere, yeah. I just can't. It doesn't imagine say where she had it, had it hidden. Doing but that. Can, can you imagine? Like the woman your... herself is like she's only fifty-four. Yeah. She's my age. Can you imagine being that unattached to oh, to your mother? Uh, to your mother, to where it's yeah. like, oh shoot, oh, yeah. now oh, I'm shoot. not going to get these. Died. Now I need to hide you, and so I can keep collecting your checks. I mean, that would be the last thing I'm thinking about if mom died. I'd be like, oh, yeah. man, mom died. You know, that's the terrible thing. Um, I just wouldn't even think about that at first. But I guess if you're entirely, de- I don't know. I still can't. People do weird things, man. People do weird things. Oh, by the way, that reminds me the way, because uh, we're talking about mothers that, uh, <laughs> not mm-hmm. apropos of the story, but that reminds me of a, uh, a toast I heard. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. Toast? A toast. You know, like a toast, like a drinking toast? Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's... And I've even got a beer here so it can be apropos. Um, hold on, i got to get this right in my mind first before I say it and louse it up, though. Okay. To the day spent in the arms of another man's wife, my mother. Say that again. To the days spent in the arms of another man's wife, my mother. Huh. That's that's just weird. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about Saint Drogo. Saint Drogo. Okay. Uh now he was born he was in Epinoy. Uh I don't even know Epinoy is like uh Flemish the county it's in the uh, northern region of France he was born in uh, Epinoy um, to a Flemish uh, family of nobles now some accounts have his father being having died before he was born some of them don't but his mother apparently did die during childbirth and left him as a orphan to be raised mm-hmm. by his relatives. Um, at the age of 10, he learned about his mother's death and how she died and went into a deep uh, depression over that and uh, spent most of his time grieving and trying to uh, 
trying to do penance for that. Um, when he was 20, he gave away all his money and his goods and, and went to live a life of poverty and penance. Um, he tried to take on jobs like shepherding several mm-hmm. times. Um, and at some point he, 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 at some point he was, uh, disfigured. Uh, whether it was a disease or a condition or something that actually happened to him, we don't know, but he became very, very ugly. Um, okay. And he was reported to be able to bilocate. He was reported, there were all kinds of reports from him because what happened was he went to this church and the priest there wanted to allow him to attend mass but he was disturbing the other people. So the priest had kind of a, uh, a, a, a little building attached to the church where he could give St. Drogo communion and also give him food, but he would be separate from all the other people. Mm-hmm. So he began living in this cell as a hermit, uh, but then even then people would line up and um, and, and, you know, go to him and ask for advice and ask for miracles, things like that. Uh, he had all kinds of uh, miracles like bilocation, he- healing, and stuff like that. Um, this was back in 1186, I think. Mm-hmm. 1186 is when he died. Um, he lived in that little uh, in that little cell for like 40-something years. Right, right. Um, and, okay, it's not reported here but there's another report of him of the church having burnt down but his body not having burnt and i don't know if he survived that or if it's just that after it burnt his body wasn't burned but uh he was supposed to be incredibly ugly to the point where the priest didn't want other people to see him because it was a distraction during mass um and since he wanted to live as a hermit that seemed like the best uh, mm-hmm. solution. Um, he is the patron of ugly people and also of coffee houses. Yeah. I don't know why coffee houses. Patron saint uh, of coffee, coffee houses. Huh, how about that? Yeah. Um, he is also the patron saint of hermits, of people with mental illnesses, midwives, mute people, orphans, uh, sheep and shepherds, and cattle. Okay, if you look him up on Wikipedia, it does not report him as the uh, uh, patron of ugly people. Oh, well, it's funny. I'm looking at another article that the article's main focus is, I mean, they go through the whole life, but they're trying to figure out why he is the saint of coffee. Um, yeah. And it kind of takes Wikipedia to task for as not being very accurate anyway, um, and yeah. propagating some some false information through the internet. But so. you know, the weird thing um, is that I would say ten years ago, mm-hmm. it did. Uh, it did uh, call him the patron saint of ugly people, huh. and it. Okay, this is the weird part. Um, 
I wrote a uh, historical novel about St. Drogo because I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the events that I made up for the book, and I didn't try to hide this or anything. I, I flat out said, yeah, yeah some of this books, is made up. You take license, right, right. And some of the things that I made up are in the Wikipedia uh, article. Oh, you think somebody read your book and put them in there? But but him being the patron saint of ugly people, which was the big which point the of the book. Big point, yeah, you're you're is oh. not in there. <laughs> That's so weird. That is really really weird. But there are some things that you made up that are in there, and they they yeah. probably don't cite your book. Go down to the citations, see if your book's in there, huh? So somebody just decided to copy stuff and put it in there and. Not even cite you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really weird. I don't know what to say about that, but um, what I've said so far are the uh, things that we do know about him. Um, mm-hmm. And there are a lot of other things we don't know about him. And uh, But we do know that he's the patron saint of ugly people. Yeah. And we do know that he was disfigured, and that's why he was in a solitary cell. Now, um, I do have a piece here that has a um, possible reason for his connection to coffee. Um, so there is a thing it's called barley tea. And barley tea is not necessarily enjoyed by people who like tea, but it is sometimes used as a substitute for coffee. And during his, most of his time in his cell uh, attached to the church, he lived on barley bread and warm water. Perhaps he made a sort of coffee substitute tea out of that. I don't know. Huh. So, just something out there to, to ponder. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I like coffee. And, um... I was... Yeah. Well, uh... Anyway, St. Drogo was an interesting saint. And I always thought a... Uh... The idea of ugly people having their own patron always <laughs> appealed to me. <laughs> Because um, yeah. the kinds of things I've always wondered are uh, things like the fact that God God makes things beautiful and makes things not beautiful. And God does appreciate the beauty that he himself created. You know, God does think some things are more beautiful than other things. Yeah. So why did he create things that weren't beautiful? And why would he create people that aren't beautiful? I just, those kinds of questions I've always pondered. And so I eventually ended up writing a historic novel about St. Drago to kind of flesh out that line of thought. Mm-hmm. But okay. you can get it on Amazon and uh, yeah, and a Google you, link you to it or something. It. You should go buy it and read it. Yeah. You know, it's weird because it's one of my earlier books. And I re- I reread it like last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it's weird when you reread your own work, and it's like, like you know that I could have 
Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the times when it's one of those books where um, you really don't you don't start getting into it until after like one or two chapters, yeah. and then it it starts to kind of then you get really involved in it. But uh, anyway, that's our saint of the week, Saint Drogo. All right, Saint Drogo. Uh, that's all we got then. So, uh, think about what we said and we will talk to you next week. Yep. And as always, circle the beads. As always, circle the beads. That's how I forgot. (laughs) Alright, thanks folks. Bye everyone.